What is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. We hope everyone is staying safe and doing well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And just so you guys know, we actually just released a brand new bonus episode on our Patreon on the Appalachian Trail Murders. It is truly an incredible story. These two lived such interesting lives before they were met with a monster on the trail. So go listen to that along with all the other bonus episodes that we have on there. Patreon.com slash Going West Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Going West Podcast. It's just $5 a month. It really helps out the show and you get a ton of bonus episodes. So check it out. If you guys want a shout out on our show, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you guys like this show, leave us a review. It really helps us out actually when you do that. So please go do that. And we now do the shout outs in the end of the show. So catch those later. Yes. And if you guys leave a five star review and your name and your location, we'll give you guys a shout out in the show. So that's pretty fun also. All right, guys, this is episode 70 of Going West. So let's get into it. episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from prada you can shop for everything on your agenda whether it's a breezy zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright chloe blazer for brunch find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In 2007, a 19-year-old girl went missing after dance practice at her college. And although the details didn't seem all that suspicious right off the bat, police began searching for her immediately. And it was quickly brought to their attention that a male in the area had potentially been stalking her. This is the murder of Jody Sanderholm. Jody Sanderholm was born on September 26, 1987, in Arkansas City, Kansas, which is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, it's Arkansas, apparently. That's how everybody says it there. And she was born to parents Cindy and Brian Sanderholm, and she also had a brother named Jason and a sister named Jennifer. Arkansas City is a pretty safe, smaller town with a population of around 12,000 people. 
Jody grew up loving to dance, and she was even a part of the Arkansas City High School dance team for all four years. And out of two of those years, she was the captain of the team and was an instructor for the Universal Dance Association. In high school, she was also her class's valedictorian. And for those of you in countries that don't have valedictorians, it's basically the person in your graduating class with the highest academic achievements. So she was basically a go-getter. Yes, go-getter, very smart, super outgoing, and she was also very well liked and had a ton of friends. Once she graduated in 2006, she began attending the local community college, which is called Cowley. Although she loved dance and still practiced it while in college. Her chosen career path was to become a pharmacist. So she went into pre-farm, which is a two-year-long undergraduate course that you have to complete before moving on to a four-year program. But still, since dancing was also obviously a huge passion of hers, she was a member of the Cowley Tigerette Dance Line. So basically, her college's dance team. So while Jody was attending community college, she lived with her parents, which is a popular route for a lot of students who go to community college. That's what I did. And her routine was basically go to school, come back while her parents were at work, and grab the mail from the mailbox before heading inside to fix herself some lunch, since she usually got home around noon. And then she would carry on with the rest of her day. Her mom Cindy would often call her around 12 p.m. while she was at work to kind of check in with Jody and see how her school day was. But on January fifth, two thousand seven, things went differently, and it was Friday. And at this point, Jody was halfway through her second year at community college. She was just a few months away from heading into a bigger university, where she would continue her work towards becoming a pharmacist. So on Friday, January fifth, two thousand seven, Jody's mom Cindy called around noon to see what Jody was up to, but she didn't answer the phone. Cindy assumed that she was probably just taking a shower, since that was also part of her coming home routine. So she decided to wait a few minutes and then call her back. But about five to ten minutes later, Cindy still didn't get an answer. She then reached out to Jennifer, who is Jody's then pregnant older sister, to see if she had spoken to Jody, and she hadn't. Jennifer then tried to call Jody herself, but didn't get an answer either. And this was a little strange because at this point in time, the whole family was making sure to pick up Jennifer's every phone call because she was very close to her due date, and any call could be the call when she'd be going into labor. So Jody would never have purposefully ignored Jennifer's phone calls. Jennifer tried to call back a few more times as the minutes passed, but still nothing. But Brian, who's Jody's father, was trying to keep Cindy and Jennifer calm. Not very much time had passed, and there could have been a number of reasons why she wasn't answering. So maybe she had gotten caught up with a friend. Maybe she ran some errands that day, and maybe she was just taking a nap. And that makes so much sense. But it's so hard because once you get that idea and worry in your head that something's wrong, it can be so hard for some people not to panic, even though it's so true that it can be the simplest thing. Like I remember last year, my sister's boyfriend called me worried because he didn't know where she was, and her location on Find My Friends wasn't showing up, and she wasn't answering any calls or texts for a couple hours. And I started calling everyone in my family, so freaked out. And she ended up calling me back two or three hours later, saying that she was just in a movie and her phone was off. You know, it's usually something like that, but then sometimes it isn't. So 
it can be good to just, you know, follow through and make sure everything's okay. It's one of those things, you know, you're always going to worry when you're in that position. I mean, this is exactly how, you know, Jody's mom, Cindy, was feeling. And she was really concerned and she couldn't get her mind off it no matter what her husband said. She was like, something is wrong. So Cindy left work and ran home to find that Jody's car wasn't there and it didn't look like she had been home at all. Like Heath said, she always grabbed the mail and put it on the counter, but there was no mail either, which is something that her mom noticed. That's when she started calling her daughter's friends to see if she was maybe with some of them, but none of them knew where she was. Some of her dance team friends told Cindy that they last saw her on that day when she was leaving practice just before noon. One friend said that Jody mentioned stopping at Subway to get a sandwich, and another mentioned that she was possibly going to hang out with her friend who lived just east of Arkansas City. And one of her other friends even saw her driving towards this friend's house just around noon. And all this information made it a little less worrisome. Jody had plans to stay out after school that afternoon, so she hadn't planned on being home. But she was very close with her mom, and they talked on the phone every day after school, so Cindy found it odd that she didn't at least mention that she wouldn't be home. But then, Jody had a meeting around 3 p.m. that day. It was a meeting that she wouldn't have missed because it had to do with her helping her old high school's dance team, but she didn't end up showing up for this. And Brian, Jody's father, actually came home from work early that day so that he could comfort Cindy and help her call around. But when 6 p.m. rolled in, they'd had enough waiting. They knew something was wrong, and they called police. At this point, Jody's 19, so she's a legal adult. And usually in cases like these, when you're dealing with an adult that's missing, police don't always jump on the case especially in this case because she had only been MIA for about six hours and the circumstances weren't very suspicious. Again, I mean, there could have been a million reasons why she hadn't called her mom back, but the Arkansas City Police Chief happened to know the family and he had children of his own who grew up with the Sanderholm kids. So he himself was concerned as to why Jody hadn't called or come home and he wanted to help right away. So he had an officer head over to their home and get more information from them about Jody's plans for the day. Jody had a boyfriend named David, and the officer originally thought that maybe they were together and lost track of time while they were hanging out, or since it was Friday, maybe they went out and did something fun and or possibly went away for the weekend. But the officer quickly discovered that David was visiting his brother in Texas, so he wasn't even in the state. They wanted to confirm this, so the officer called David himself to see if Jody was with him. But David said he was in Texas without her and that he hadn't heard from her all day. When the officer explained that he believed she may be missing, he told him that he was coming back to Arkansas City to help find her. Because now, he was incredibly worried. They really jumped right on this and took it seriously, which is really nice and sadly, sometimes rare. And all of the officers within the Arkansas City Police Department were more than willing and ready to do everything that they could to bring Jody home. And they put this on blast because officers from other police departments in different cities came out that night to help look for her. It was like truly incredible. So while a team of policemen were out there in the rain looking for Jody and driving all around the general area, Others hung back at the station to bring Jody's friends in for official questioning 
to see if they had seen anything that might help with the investigation. And this is when they actually got their first big clue. Some of the girls on the dance team began expressing concern regarding a certain 23-year-old who would watch their practices. He creeped a lot of them out because he would just be standing there watching them dance or he'd follow them to the parking lot while they got into their cars. I mean, this guy's presence was just really unsettling. He never really said anything, he just watched them. And a lot of the girls got a stalker vibe from him. His name is Justin Thurber. And he even had a criminal history, so local police actually knew this guy's name. And he wasn't some, like, big-time criminal. He had just committed numerous petty theft crimes, so he was basically like a pest to police. But he had never shown any streaks of violence in these crimes. Justin worked at the Subway Sandwich Shop in Arkansas City, and we know that Jody had plans to pick up a sandwich from there the day she disappeared. But just a couple weeks before Jody's disappearance, Justin was fired from his job at Subway because he made the other employees uncomfortable. And let's stop real quick there. If you get fired for making your coworkers feel uncomfortable, that says a lot because it's not like you got fired for stealing money from the till or for any other reason. I mean, you made your coworkers feel uncomfortable, so they let you go. Well, he worked with a lot of girls and a lot of them felt like he was stalking them too. So now there's these two separate accounts of girls thinking that Justin is stalking them. So yeah, big deal. It's known that Jody went into that subway on occasion to pick up a sandwich for lunch and she was on the dance team. So it's more than likely that Justin had seen her a lot, you know, which made him a really good suspect. And strangely enough, on that January 5th, Justin was pulled over at 11 a.m. near Cowley College, which again is where Jody went to school and had her dance practice that day, because he ran a stop sign. And that was just one hour before Jody got out of dance practice, so we know he was in the area. At this point, police immediately went over to Justin's parents' house, where he lived, to question him about his whereabouts. He said that on that afternoon, He and three other friends were on their way out to Cowley State Fishing Lake, which is about 20 minutes from the center of Arkansas City and from Cowley College, but he said that they didn't make it because they were having car troubles when the wheels of the car got stuck in the mud, and Justin had to call his dad to come pick them up. Police then decided to check out his story and see if his car actually did get stuck in the mud and if it was still out there. Police searched the whole general area that Justin described, and they didn't find the car, nor did they find any evidence of tire tracks or a car being stuck in the mud. The day after Jody's disappearance, on January 6, 2007, police conducted a ground and aerial search for Jody in the Arkansas City, Kansas area, looking for her and her 2003 Black Dodge Stratus. At this point, the community also really banded together to help look for her, and missing flyers were posted all around the town. They were looking for a 19-year-old girl with brown hair and brown eyes standing at 5 feet 3 inches tall, or 160 centimeters, and weighing 105 pounds, or about 47 kilos. Meanwhile, Jody's parents, Cindy and Brian, were calling all the local news stations as well as the Wichita news stations, which is the closest major city in proximity, so they could get Jody's face all over the news and help spread awareness. 
Investigators now needed to check out Justin Thurber's friends, Jason, Paul, and Stuart, and see if they had the same story Justin did. And some of these three friends were also known to commit small crimes in the area, but nothing too serious, again. So they were questioned one by one, but each of the guys denied being in Justin's car with him that day, and denied getting stuck in any kind of mud. Jason had actually brought up a physical therapy appointment that he had that afternoon to prove that he hadn't been with Justin, and this alibi checked out. The two others had solid alibis too. One was out of state, and the other was at work, and their alibis were completely confirmed. All three denied knowing Jody Sanderholm and her whereabouts. In fact, they all seemed to be very confused why Justin brought up their names at all. So it became very apparent to police that Justin had to have lied to them about where he was the day that Jody disappeared. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for Going West, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You'll be able to see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't like, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in just a few taps. It is seriously that easy. And that's why Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash going west. That's rocketmoney.com slash going west. rocketmoney.com slash going west. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, You can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. 
And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up. And this is why we have Dash Pass by DoorDash. Dash Pass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders as well as member-only deals and discounts. Which is why DashPass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with DashPass. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. On Saturday, January 6th, 2007, so again, the day after Jody disappeared, police continued to search ground and aerial for Jody but they didn't come up with anything. The current people that they were looking into were Justin Thurber and Jody's boyfriend, David. Although David had said that he was in Texas, investigators felt that it was a little too convenient and they at least wanted to be able to fully rule him out before letting him off the hook. So when he supposedly returned from Texas, they brought him in for questioning. By all accounts, David seemed to be incredibly upset and worried about his girlfriend, Jody. But to be sure, investigators tracked his cell phone records and credit card statements and confirmed that he was indeed in Texas that whole day. Now police were back to focusing on Justin Thurber. They had a feeling that he had been lying about his alibi. But before going back to him, they wanted to see what other people had to say about him. They were able to find the information for Justin's recent ex-girlfriend named Alexa and picked her up. She told them that she wanted to drive around to the areas she knew Justin enjoyed frequenting, specifically the Kaw Wildlife area, while she gave them more information about Justin. She stated that in the weeks leading to their breakup, Justin had become significantly more violent and aggressive with her during sex, especially regarding choking. She had only broken things off with him about five days before Jody disappeared, after they had dated for about three years. While Alexa and the investigator were entering the Kaw Wildlife Area, she pointed out a little dock on the lake that Justin loved going to. And one time, when they were down there together, Justin had apparently made a comment about how easily he could get rid of a body down there. And this was obviously pretty groundbreaking to police because he was really the only guy that they were looking at and they're suddenly discovering all these incriminating details about him. He was known to watch the dancers and was thought of as a stalker to many young women. They were confident that he had lied about his alibi. 
He was sexually violent with his recent ex-girlfriend, and now they discovered that he had previously mentioned something about dumping a body in a lake. And I think that last one is such a big one because regular people just don't say that. Like, you would never catch me hanging out at a lake talking about how I could dump a body there. You know, that kind of thing only crosses certain types of people's minds, usually people who want to kill. But police still didn't have a body. So as sure as they felt that Justin was involved in whatever happened to Jody, they still needed to piece the whole puzzle together. So they went to her college since that was the last place that she had been seen leaving her dance class. And thankfully, there were security cameras outside of the building, which police requested video from immediately. In the video, they saw Jody's car pulling into the school in the morning before her class. But get this. A blue Cadillac was driving right behind her into school. And guess who drove a blue Cadillac? Justin Thurber. After seeing all this footage, they went back and viewed the days prior and noticed that he had been there as well, which told police that he was likely following and stalking Jody for a while. But still, they couldn't arrest him because they didn't have a body, and they didn't even know if a crime took place and, if it did, what that crime was. But at this time, Justin was out on bond for a petty theft crime, and the bondsmen had decided to revoke Justin's bond, which would make him eligible for arrest once again. So an officer had pulled over Justin's mother's car while they were driving home from a bingo game with his sister as well, and he arrested Justin. And at this same time, police had gotten a search warrant for Justin's home, and that's when they were able to talk to Justin's father, Kevin, about the alibi. Remember, Justin said that he was stranded and he called his dad to come pick him up. And his dad confirmed this story. Justin's dad, Kevin, said that he had gone out there with some friends, but that he had only taken Justin home and hadn't seen the friends at all. Investigators then started thinking that Justin had lied to his dad about getting his car stuck out there and lied about being with his friends. Kevin told investigators that when they got home that day, Justin immediately started doing laundry and washing the clothes that he had been wearing that day, and then he took a shower. His shoes had mud on them, so Kevin even helped Justin get the mud off of his shoes and clean them. Even though they had been cleaned, investigators took the shoes, his cell phone, and impounded his car so that they could search it. Meanwhile, they were also searching the area in which Justin had been picked up, as well as the Caw Wildlife area, where he had previously stated that he could hide a body. Investigators continued to question Justin down at the county jail, but he was not cracking. He kept denying knowing Jody and having anything to do with her disappearance and possible death. And they really weren't having luck with any aspect of the investigation, because even after searching through Justin's home and his car, and trying to get any trace evidence from the shoes... They had nothing. There was no physical evidence tying Justin to Jody, but they kept working and searching for clues. And that's when they went over to Jody's house to see if they could find any evidence of him there. And lo and behold, they noticed a footprint in the mud across from Jody's house. And they kind of went out on a limb here and tested it against Justin's sneaker because, I mean, this could have been from anyone who was like walking their dog or strolling the neighborhood. But it was a match. Wow, that is actually really, really crazy because 
That could have been like one in a million, honestly. I know the fact that they saw that and were like, we should probably test this is I, I don't know if I would have said that. Yeah. Uh, whoever decided to test that, um, that muddy footprint in the mud. Good job. I think because it had been raining like a few days earlier and so it was muddy and they knew that he had said his car was stuck in mud. So maybe they were really on the whole like footprint in the mud thing. And by the way, when I say match, it wasn't an official match yet. They just had compared the two and it looked to be the same. But later they'll have an expert look at it and we'll get there. Also, by the way, when they were searching the Kaw wildlife area, they found more footprints and those also appeared to be a match. The crazy thing about these footprints in the Kaw wildlife area is that there was a trail of them. So the tracking specialist had a photocopy of the shoes Justin had been wearing that day and the photo was to size so they could compare it in real time to the footprints in front of them. They were very confident that it was the same shoe, so they followed the tracks hoping it would lead them to something groundbreaking. And as they continued on, they eventually came upon a smaller shoe print that appeared to be a flip-flop, which was what Jody was wearing the day she disappeared. But suddenly, the flip-flop prints stopped, and the sneaker prints continued which led them to believe that he picked up Jody and carried her from that point forward. It's almost like an old mystery book where they're literally following these footprints. And this is something I've never really read about in a case was that they had a trail of footprints that were basically leading them to where they were hoping they would find something. Right. And the other thing to me is I wonder how I wonder what those shoes were and I wonder how common they were, because if they were like not very common tennis shoes that he was wearing, I could see how, I mean, if, if they were common shoes, let's say they were like, like I wear Vans all the time. Let's say that the tread on the bottom were very common. Um, you would think that, well, I mean, that could be anybody really, but I'm just curious about those shoes. So I couldn't find the exact type of shoe that it was, but they were very like dad shoey. Yeah, like a, like a New Balance shoe kind of thing. Yeah, they were running shoes and they were white. And so I, I think that matched with his shoe size is kind of like a, not really one in a million, but they know that he was in this certain area. They know he was wearing these shoes. So it's kind of like, what are the chances that somebody else in that area was wearing the same shoe in the same size, you know? Right, right. And just to be clear, there are actually some really cool looking New Balances out there. But you guys know the New new Balances we're talking about, you know, the white ones. I did see a picture of them and I can't remember what the picture looked like. And I tried to look for it again and I couldn't find it. They were very, you know, middle-aged dad. And if anyone out there has those shoes, no hard feelings at all. It is me who has the ugliest running shoes in the game. They are like black and green dinosaurs from 2008. So who am I to judge? So the tracking specialist spent a lot of time out there that day trying to follow this trail. But eventually it did start to get dark outside and they couldn't see the trail anymore. So they marked everything with flags on their way and decided to just come back the next morning and pick up where they left off. But on their way out, they were coming up on the spot where Justin's dad, Kevin, had picked Justin up the day that Jody disappeared. So they decided to take a quick look and see if they could find anything right over there before going home for the day. And there was still enough light in the sky where they could see it was just getting dark. So they decided to jump out of the car and walk around. And right next to where they were, there were some public restrooms. And just outside the woman's restroom was a partial muddy footprint. And I think, again, in their minds, they just keep thinking of these muddy footprints. So to them, this could be a clue. 
As they walked inside the woman's restroom with flashlights, they looked into each stall, and in one of the toilets, they saw some mail. As they got a closer look, they saw that the mail was addressed to Jody Sanderholm's parents. Holy shit. That would be so fucking creepy. It's almost like I can't believe that they just, let's just stop here and let's just see. And then they find the jackpot pretty much. Yeah, seriously. And honestly, you could see this being in like any sort of like drama horror TV show, like cops cops walking in with a flashlight and they're like opening each creepy dark stall and they finally find some mail in this toilet and it's Jody's. It seems fake. Like it seems like this. How did this really happen? But this is true. And remember, the guys who found it were these two professional trackers who were trying to remember track the footprints. So they were not the police, but they, of course, knew that this would be very relevant to the case. And they were really emotional themselves because they couldn't believe that they stumbled upon that. Yeah, and this is obviously very significant to the story because we know that every day when Jody gets home from school, she grabs the mail. The trackers called law enforcement immediately to report this, and the chief and lieutenant showed up right away to search the toilets deeper and see if there was anything else hidden in there. That's when they found flip-flops, a Tigerette's dance team jacket, dance shoes, Jody's wallet, and floor mats from a Dodge, which is the kind of car that Jody had. At this point, they knew Jody was no longer alive, and remember at this point, they also still hadn't found Jody's car. But here are her floor mats in the toilet, so they believed that the car could have been disposed of nearby. And I just wonder why the floor mats and jacket were put inside the toilets, because these are the kind of public restrooms where you don't flush. But still, I mean, these are large items. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, if you guys have been camping before, um, the toilets that you're referring to are vault toilets. So basically, they get uh, pumped out every so often. But it's basically just like a big vat. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because I thought that you would know about these kind of toilets because you're such a camper and, and outdoors guy. So with these, if you were to put a jacket and floor mats in there, would they have eventually just like drained out or would they have gotten stuck, do you think? They would have gotten stuck because basically they take a hose that's not super big, but they're going to basically suck the human waste out of that vault. Well, yeah, because you're not supposed to have human waste as big as floor mats and jackets. Exactly, exactly. So he probably just, you know, either rolled up these items and tossed them down in there. But yeah, those are the type of toilets that, you know, (laughs) those are the hovering toilets. You don't ever want to put your butt on those toilets when you go camping. It's kind of nasty. It's just crazy to me that the perpetrator thought that it was a good idea to put these items in these toilets if they're too big or most of them are too big to even go through. I just feel like you probably should have put them somewhere else. Well, I mean, I think in this case, the killer is thinking that that they're going to get stuck down in this vaulted toilet and nobody's going to go looking down in there. But these trackers happened to do just that and the investigators found this stuff. So obviously didn't do a very good job. Well, and the mail was just sitting on top. Like it didn't look like anyone had used the toilet since the mail was put into that toilet. And so they were just sitting right on top, like just chilling there. And I just feel like, I mean, I'm glad that the perpetrator didn't do a better job of hiding them. I'm just trying to think of 
their thought process is all. Yeah, it's very strange, but I'm glad that they found that stuff. Oh, me too. And so obviously then the investigators came in and they're the ones who found everything else. And they really went in there with firemen. Like they went all the way down in there. And after all the evidence was sent to the lab, they were able to lift a single fingerprint off of one of the pieces of mail, and it was Jody's, which confirmed then that Jody had to have gotten home that day and was likely abducted after grabbing the mail and while walking up to her front door. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face. But now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. A forensic footwear examiner took molds of some of these footprints that were found of both the sneaker and the flip-flop. Since they were now able to compare both to the real thing now that they had both shoes in their possession. Although they already believed that the prints would be a match, it was officially confirmed in the lab that the footprints belonged to Jody Sanderholm and Justin Thurber, putting them there together. But they still didn't have the body or the car. So this was obviously very frustrating. They're like, we don't know what happened, but we know that this guy has something to do with it. And now they just have to find her. Yeah. And now we know that they were both together. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like uh, no body, no crime type of deal, which is really frustrating. But on January 9th, 2007, so just four days after Jody disappeared, they decided to take a deeper look into the Cowley State Fishing Lake. And by the way, both the Cowley State Fishing Lake and the Kaw Wildlife Area are extremely vast. So finding her was definitely going to be a pretty hard thing to do. And these two places were about 18 miles or 28 kilometers away from each other. But there was a storm approaching in Arkansas City that week, so they had to act as fast as possible. It was all hands on deck. And they were even getting help from EquiSearch which is this really amazing organization that's dedicated to help finding missing persons. And it was actually founded by a man named Tim Miller, whose daughter Laura was murdered. 
They're based in Texas, but as soon as they found out about Jody, they sent their experts to Kansas to help find her. And they actually had a lot of resources that would help with this investigation, including sonar equipment, so they could search the Cowley State Fishing Lake, which they worked on that day, which again was January 9th, 2007. In the Kaw Wildlife Area, the trackers continued to help search the area for any sign of Jody. And suddenly, one of the trackers looked ahead and saw a human hand. As he got closer, he noticed a large pile of wooden sticks with that hand sticking out of them, indicating that Jody's body was hidden beneath all the branches. As they took apart the scene, they found Jody's nude and badly beaten body, which they took in to examine immediately to ensure they didn't lose any more DNA evidence. All I gotta say are these trackers are really good at what they do. They're really good, and I know we've talked about a lot of cases where law enforcement or anyone helping in the case is not really doing their job or they're, you know, they're just not being very helpful. But in this case, seriously, they worked so hard in these four days to find her. And they they got resources from out of state. They had a huge team of people helping. Like, it's amazing. So it was definitely really emotional for everyone when they found her body. It was confirmed that the body was Jody's after matching it with her dental records. She had been strangled to death. And not just that, but it was determined that she was strangled until she either passed out or almost passed out and then was revived. And that process was repeated as a form of torture. She also had blunt force injuries to her head, which contributed to her death. This blunt force trauma to her head was so severe that when it happened, it caused her neck to move in a rapid and extreme motion that tore an artery in her neck, which caused hemorrhaging. She also had been sexually assaulted and sodomized with tree branches. After scraping underneath Jody's fingernails, they found DNA evidence that matched Justin Thurber's. The EquiSearch team took to the Cowley State Fishing Lake on boat and very early in their search, like seriously right when they set off, they found what appeared to be a car in the lake on their sonar equipment. So as they pulled the car out of the lake, it was confirmed to be Jody's after matching the car's description and the license plate. The car was full of water, so they weren't sure if they were going to be able to get any DNA evidence from it at all but they still sifted through the entire car and lifted everything that they could. And crazy enough, they were able to find a sliver of arm hair on one of the seats. And this was a confirmed match to Justin Thurber. Oh my God, that's seriously insane. An arm hair. It's like they had nothing and they were kind of just like, we know it's this guy, but we don't have anything. And then suddenly this day, they just get everything. Yeah, everything just comes flooding in. And I'm sure they were probably pretty like overwhelmed. Yeah, it was it was a lot. But could you imagine searching that car for evidence and then finding an arm hair and you match that small little hair to the killer? Well, it was really hard too because they had to use tape to basically to put the tape on the seats and lift it off, you know what I mean? Right, right. And obviously there's all this fiber from the car seats and all these other fibers. So they had to sift through like literally thousands of fibers and they found this one arm hair. And we also have to consider that this car was full of water. So they had to drain this car of all the water and then start looking for evidence. Right, and you can imagine any other hairs or anything that would have left the car with the water. And then this little piece of DNA was still in the car. It's crazy. 
So now they have all of this evidence pointing to Justin. They had his confirmed story about being in that area the day Jody went missing. The shoe prints, they had the DNA that was found on Jody's body under her fingernails, and they had his arm hair that was found in her car. They also had cell phone records proving that Justin was in both the Cowley State Fishing Lake and the Kaw Wildlife Area on that day. Justin Thurber was arrested for capital murder, attempted rape, aggravated criminal sodomy, and aggravated kidnapping. The trial began in March of 2009, and the defense provided all the DNA evidence that we just discussed. Even his ex-girlfriend Alexa testified in court about the sexual violence towards her and what he said about dumping a body in the lake where Jody's car was later found. The defense tried to prove that Justin had bipolar disorder and low mental functioning and had an IQ in the 70s, which is considered low intelligence. But prosecutors argued that he had enough intelligence to attend college and even receive 64 credits worth of courses, meaning his IQ would have been at least average. They also pointed out that he was a B and C average student with a 2.5 GPA in high school and that he had previously successfully passed his driver's test and that he also held a job at two different places. And on top of that, he was able to hide and scatter evidence. The trial lasted a total of seven days, and after the jury deliberated for three hours, he was found guilty on all accounts and was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Justin Thurber never admitted what he did to Jody, nor did he admit his guilt at all. The investigators theorized that on January 5th, 2007, Jody had left school and gotten home, but was being followed by Justin Thurber. She got out of her car to grab the mail before heading inside when Justin grabbed her, shoved her into her own car, and then he drove the 20 minutes to the Kaw Wildlife Area. It was there that he beat and sexually assaulted her before murdering her and burying her body under tree branches. He then likely drove Jody's car to the Cowley State Fishing Lake, where he disposed of her things in the public restroom and pushed her car into the lake before calling his dad to come pick him up. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you so much, everybody. And next week, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. And this is the time for some shout-outs. Let's do it. Thank you so much to Kelly in San Diego, California, Adrian in Ohio, and Ashley in Longview, Texas. Big thanks to Mandy, who lives in Oregon. Hello, fellow Oregonian. Thank you so much to Cassie in Pennsylvania. And thank you to Steph in Lexington, South Carolina. And a big thanks to Allison in Richmond, Texas, Lexi in New York, and Lauren in Gretna, Nebraska. Thank you so much, last but not least, to Jean in the UK, Sheldon in Toronto, Canada, and thank you, Lenecki in the Netherlands. I hope I said that right. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to our latest patrons who joined us on Patreon this week. So thank you so much to Hillary, Courtney, Adrian, Anna, James, and Connor. Thank you so much also to Kate. Thank you, Isabella, Kristen, Bree, and Jill. Big thanks to Gabby, Donna, Evan, Eric, Sylvia, and Raya. And thank you so much to 
Brittany, Aaron, Guadalupe, Bougie88, and Carrie. And we have a big thanks going to Teresa, Catherine, Kimberly, Sabrina, Zara, and Katie. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to Kelly, Drew, thank you Amanda, Mia, and thank you Jamie. You guys are the best. And if you guys want some bonus episodes just like all these wonderful people that we just shouted out, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast. We have a bunch of bonus episodes for you guys to check out. And like we mentioned in the the, uh, beginning of this episode, we just put out one on the Appalachian Trail murders. So go check it out. Thank you so much. And we love you guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. 